One. What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of our Sunday Talk. We appreciate everybody sending the questions. Uh, it's a big weekend in sports. We have the draft. Um, exciting draft. Probably, like, one of the most, like, exciting drafts, I think, the last, like, few years. There's just, like, a lot of, like, past, like, the second pick. It's just, like, a ton of what-ifs. So that was pretty exciting. But we're excited to answer your questions. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. So, uh, first question, we got to uh, add Griff. Griff, a uh, friend of the show, Griffin. Um, and a really, really great question, just because I think the NBA is just filled with so, uh, so many – great young players. So this is a great question. Top five players under 25 in the NBA. Um, I have mine, but I want to hear your guys' first. So start with uh, Jose. Uh, what'd you have? I mean, just spitballing it off the top of my head. Um, I got Luca, Devin Booker, Devin, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and De'Aaron Fox. Hmm. That was my, I just had, uh, I had Zion instead of De'Aaron Fox, but that was my exact, exact same five too. What about you, Liam? Yeah, so I, I ordered mine. I put number one, Luca. I think it's kind of obvious. You know, he's basically an MVP at this point. Number two, Mr. 60 point himself, Jason Tatum. Number three, got Simmons. Uh, just obviously his ability to, you know, be an all-around player besides his jump shooting, but still obviously amazing defender. Uh, Zion's at four. And then for five, I couldn't decide, decide between the two because I think they're pretty much similar. So I have David Booker and Donovan Mitchell tied for my fifth spot. But – Fox would have very much so be on yeah. this list, but I think just him playing on a team that's not as good, not translating the wins makes it hard for him to throw me up in that top five. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had Luka number one, too. Luka, Tatum, Zion, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Booker. Um, then I had some honorable mentions, too, like Simmons, too, is like right outside. Uh, De'Aaron Fox and Ja. Got to throw Bam in there, too. Uh, forgetting about Bam. It's fantastic. And then also Jalen Brown, because it's really hard to, you know, find a, you know, an elite, you know, three and D versatile wing like that. So um, next question from uh, at Ibrahim Dogger, shout out our boy. Um, who do you guys see going further in the playoffs, the Suns or the Jazz? Um, I like the Suns more, but I really just think it kind of depends on the seating because, uh, you know, it's inevitable that the, one of those two teams is going to have to play the Lakers um, in the second round. So I think, Whoever doesn't run into them has the best chance of getting the farthest. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I, mean, I think ignoring the, all other factors. Oh, go ahead. No, go. No, you're already good. Go. I mean, ignoring you know the fact that they, one of them is going to face the Lakers. I think if they were to face each other, um, I'm taking the Suns, and I think it just comes down to you know their superstar leader CP3. Uh, I think it's just a younger, more hungrier team. And I would love to see see them face each other in the playoffs at some point. Yeah, I took the Jazz, though, uh, just going that way. I feel like, you know, they're more of a veteran team. They got a guy, Donovan Mitchell, who's been showing it ever since his rookie year that he's a star in this league. Uh, also, Rudy Gobert, his defense is just so valuable to this team. I think Mike Conley has taken another step up. He didn't have that great of a first year in Utah. Um, I think we also got to look at other players such as Bogdanovich. Jordan Clarkson's been having a six-man-of-the-year season. I just think it, when it really comes down to it, it's going to be whose impact is more valuable. Is it Chris Paul or is it Rudy Gobert? Because I think those two guys are the huge X factors for the teams. Um, I think the also the Jazz have something to prove out there. They got uh, embarrassed up 3-1 versus the Nuggets last season, and they lost. You know, obviously came down to the last shot. Mike Conley couldn't do it, but I think they're down to redeem themselves this year. I think the Jazz got a shot. If the Lakers aren't healthy, they might be my pick to make it to the finals. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm feeling the Suns too. Um, so next question from uh, at trv.chase, so again, our boy. Uh, all the homeboys are showing us love this, uh, this Sunday. Um, so two-parter, uh, do you think the power dynamic is shifting in college football with schools like Northwestern sending three guys in the first two rounds of the draft or North Dakota State having two guys drafted? Uh, Liam, I'll start with you this time. What, what do you think? Yeah, so um... – yeah. Sorry, Chase, I had to correct you. Uh, Northwestern sent two guys in the first round. Uh, their last guy, their third guy was in the fifth round. I checked it beforehand because I didn't remember a third guy. But I think it does show that scouts are, you know, looking at other schools and seeing a lot more talent. And you also got to look at the same thing. It's not like a trend that isn't relatively new. You got to think of the stars in the NFL, the guys that have come from schools. It's not always Bama. It's not always LSU. It's not always, you know, the USC's, you know. Shout out Miami. Rock my Sean Taylor jersey here today on the podcast. But you know, Patrick Mahomes went to a rather Rest small school. I know. Patrick Mahomes went to a rather small school in, pa- in Texas Tech. Aaron Donald went to Pittsburgh. A lot of these guys didn't go to these big-name schools. You know, Russell Wilson from NC State slash Wisconsin. So I think, you know, it's really good showing, especially, you know, Northwestern is an up-and-coming program, though. They should have found themselves in that uh, championship game for their conference this year. And then North Dakota State seems like ever since Wentz has got drafted that they've had a big eye on them. Obviously, Trey Lance broke all the news when he had that, you know, no interception season. So I think it does go to show that these smaller programs, you know, when they have a shot to show up out of the senior bowl, uh, they're going to show out. And I think these scouts are understanding now that you don't have to be a five star or, you know, a four star or this, you know, the best player in your state to be uh, recognized by one of these scouts that you can be a guy that goes under the radar, has that hard work ethic or just excels in their team and they can get drafted. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a shift in sports overall. I don't know if it's necessarily more prevalent in football. I think it's definitely more happening in college basketball. Obviously, we saw a guy like John Morant play for um, a very small school and make a name for himself, get drafted top five. Um, You know, I think it's great for sports. It's great for recruiting. It's great for the guys, you know, that more so wouldn't get no playing time on one of these powerhouse teams and can make a name for themselves on a smaller school, really shine and be the star. Uh, and I just think it's great overall for, for all sports. Yeah, definitely. And it's just good for, you know, kids like coming up, it's like, you know, it just shows you like, you don't have to, you know, get a scholarship to Obama or LSU. Like you said, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you end up as long as you just keep working hard, uh, you know, keep doing your thing that like talent, like is going to get noticed. Like you, it, it's not going to go unnoticed. And also I think it's just like, you know, NFL coaching, like the system, you know, some players, uh, you know, no matter their rank or whatnot, they might just, you know, get drafted the best fit and they're, they'll be in the best system for them. And I think, like, that's also a big, big factor in just, like, uh, you know, developing uh, talent. So uh, next question we got uh, from Accord Dumars, again, our boy. Uh, where does Jamar and Joe Burrow rank among the top QB wide receiver duos for the next five years? Uh, really, really great, uh, great question. Very similar to like the, the first question about the top five players under 25. I'll start with uh, Jose this time. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, I'm covering this in our in our draft recap video. I think Jamar is better than Justin Jefferson, and he showed it in college. Um, but I just wanted to to bring up a, a couple other uh, QB wide receiver duos and see if you guys think they are better than these guys. So Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, yes or no? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. As of now, yeah. yes. And also, uh, you know, assuming that Russ is going to be there for five years. Yeah. Dak and Amari. 
I'd say mm-hmm. Dak and CD in a couple of years. I think it's close. Depends on yeah. who develops more as a core. I think it also depends on Joe Burrow in that situation. Yeah. A Rod yeah. and Devontae. Yes. For now, but not in the future. Mahomes and Hill. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, a lot of guys hated on the Jamal Allen Diggs too. I would down. take them over. Oh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, but no, yeah. I just to add on. I think it's kind of rare that we see a quarterback wide receiver duo that comes from the same college that were teammates, and especially that they were on a championship level, you know, historic level offense. You know, Jamar Chase put up these crazy Belinda Comp numbers to win. Um, you know going with Justin Jefferson and, you know, a second round receiver in Terrace Marshall Jr. I think it's pretty crazy to see. I think it's going to be interesting though. Uh, it's going to be like, you know, is T Higgins, you know, who we all saw chemistry with last season, is he still going to be prevalent in this offense? Cause if so, it's going to be hard for him to, you know, uh, Jamar Chase to put up those solo wide receiver one numbers when there's so much other talent around there with a strong slot guy in Tyler Boyd and an outside presence who shined a lot of potential last year in T Higgins. I think it really does show you know, if Jamar Chase pans out to be the player that we all expect him to be worthy of that top five pick, I think there's no doubt if Joe Burrow's healthy, I think they still need to get an offensive line piece, you know, in next year's draft that needs to be the priority. I think this is going to be a top five duo no matter what. Real quick, uh, another duo, Tua and Waddle. I would take Burrow and Jamar still. Yeah. Just because Tua hasn't proven himself yet, but I still, I still have hope for Tua. I think, I think this year, like it's like might be a big, uh, a big year for him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could see them. I mean, because like the NFL is just so weird. You never know. I mean, like the duos we just mentioned, like some of them could, you know, be broken up next season or in a couple seasons. You just like never know. But I think, uh, you know, in five years, they're definitely going to be like at least like a top ten duo. You know, if not like you know. Ceiling wise, it could easily be top five. So uh, I'm really excited for that. Um, all right, next question from again from Court. Uh, best defender in basketball. You guys know my answer is Ben Simmons. Um, but I don't know, Liam, what do you think? Um, I just made it simple. I, I would go Ben Simmons as well, but I'm rocking with Gobert here. Um, I just think, you know, he's dominant inside and he's, he's shown it for the last couple of years. But if I want to be specific, I'm taking last year's playoff Lou Dort, man, lockdown James Harden like it was nothing. And then he's continuing the ball out. So I think a couple of years, even he could be one of the best premier defenders in the league. So watch out for him. Yeah, I think when he turns it on, uh, obviously he's got other duties that he's got to take care of. But let's say he was just focusing on defense. I think there's no way anyone is is better than Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's a multi, multi-time multi defensive player of the year award winner. Um, you know, locked down LeBron James in the finals. I think he's shifted a lot more into into an offensive player, and you know takes takes plays off on defense yeah. because he, he's just tired. Um, but he was drafted like as a wing defender and has developed into you know a more well-rounded player. But I think overall the best defender is Kawhi Leonard because he can just guard every single position. Yeah, I think Gobert like at its peak for like that certain aspect of defense, like rim protection, I think is better. But I think overall, just Ben, I mean, just like the one through five. Same with Dort. Like, I mean, Dort might not be like a one through five, but certainly like a one through four. I think someone not like best defender or anything, but I think like someone has a really, really high ceiling that I think could possibly get to like that Kawhi level. I really like him on the Bulls, like Patrick Williams, Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think he has a lot, a lot of potential as a, as a wing defender. I'm really excited to see, you know, where he's at in like a few years. Hey, so, one guy who's been injured that we haven't talked about, Jonathan Isaac. He had a fantastic season before he got injured. That's true, yeah. A block and a half, I think a steal and a half. This guy's going to be crazy. As long as our Orlando franchise can do something out there, it's going to be hard for him to get recognized, but he's got the length. We knew he was going to be like that coming out of uh, the draft. So I think another guy, fantastic player um, from FSU as well. So Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, big time. Um, next question, again, coming from court. Um, is Fernando Tatis Jr. more valuable in center field? Um, at first, I was like, like, seriously. But then, like, reconsidering, I'm like, you know, because the Padres, that might be, like, their slight Achilles heel. It's just, like, you know, the outfield. But now it's like, this is actually a pretty interesting question. What, what do you think, Jose? I mean, I have seen this. Um, obviously, I think that he was taking reps in the outfield the other day. Um, but I think there's no way he provides more value for the Padres in center field. He's – one of the best defensive shortstops in the league already. Um, and they have probably the best corner infield in the MLB. And another thing, like defensive outfielders, like solely defensive outfielders are not that hard to come by in the MLB. Like yeah. guys that maybe can't hit, but they can, you know, they can do their job in outfield. You can go get a guy like that easily. Um, so I, I don't think he will provide more value in center field. Yeah, I mean, this is a question that Court was talking to me about over text a couple of days ago. And, then, you know, it makes sense. I mean, you got to look into the analyst. I mean, the numbers. So Aussie fielding percentage is a big thing, what we see. And this year, Fernando Justice has been actually statistically one of the worst shortstops in terms of fielding, actually, which I got to take blame for because I, I praised him on his fielding because that's what I thought he was good at. Uh, this year, his fielding percentage is 85.3%, which is uh, – nearly one i mean 11 percent below the um fielding percentage uh, the average fielding percentage for a shortstop which is uh 96.6 so obviously the errors have been a very big problem for him this year and i think you know you maybe it's something that you want to consider but at the same time it's hard because there's no dh position in the nl so you kind of got to rock with him for what he has but i think you know it's got to be something that he got to go into the offseason he's got to continue to work on we know he's an athlete and if he's such a good athlete there's no way that he can't be a decent fielder or at least serviceable fielder you know he doesn't need to be the Brandon Crawford out there at shortstop but I think if he's a solid serviceable guy that can get the job done at shortstop I think there's a lot of other talented fielders on that squad that can make up for it yeah I mean you mentioned the fielding percentage I think that that's going to come around um I mean Tatis is someone that you know will make every tough play but you know the you know the routine plays are and the consistency is what's hard for him. I think that's just going to, you know, that's something that's going to come with age. He's still so young. He's like, what, like 21. Um, and I think, yeah, he does still have the potential to be one of like the best uh, defensive shortstops. But I think if you put him in the center field, he'd be like an above average center fielder at best. And Jose made a great point. Like there's so many guys, there's so many guys on every team that are just like strictly like defensive outfielders. You can find those everywhere. Um, you know, get them for get guys like that for cheap. Um, I think that's probably the best option uh, for the Padres moving forward because he's just so he's just too talented and too good um, at shortstop and especially pairing him with like right next to Machado, uh, you got you got to keep that going. So, but I I do really like the question um, just because that that is probably like the weakest part of the Padres is just their outfield. Uh, next question from Adr Zay, uh, who do you think is going to be the Champions League matchup? I I have no clue about I, I don't follow soccer. Uh, I know, Jose, uh, you were talking about it earlier that you kind of follow it a little bit. Yeah. So I'll let you um, take this one. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this season the most dominant team is definitely Manchester City. I mean, they've got the Premier League on lock. They're probably going to win the treble if they if they win this uh, Champions League. Um, you know, they they've obviously got the the ups on Paris. Chelsea's got no business being in in the Champions League, so they're definitely going to. You know, any team from the other side. I know, I know, Dr. You're a Real Madrid fan, but Man City's going to take this. Whoever comes out of the other side. Man City's going to just demolish them. I'm sorry. I'll take my other approach. I mean, I've been getting into soccer a little bit more recently, and I think a team that's just been continued to dominate out there in the Bundesliga, I'll take Bayern Munich. They've been an obviously fantastic offense, and I think they're going to continue to shine. I'd love to say Barca, but I don't know if Barca has the ump in them. They feel, they've fallen short a couple times recently. But, yeah, I mean, I can't say Real Madrid DR. I'm a lot, diehard Barca fan ever since I started liking soccer. So... Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then uh, a last question from Chase. Uh, which team surprised you the most in the NFL draft? Uh, I'll start with you this time, Liam. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to touch on this in our episode that will be coming out uh, later this week, whether that be Monday or Tuesday. But um, I think the team that surprised the most was actually a team that just made one pick that surprised me, and I would say that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, they took Trevor Lawrence in the first round. But their second pick made no sense to me. Urban Meyer came out and said Travis Etienne was drafted to be a third down running back. Why are you spending a first round pick on a third down running back when you already have one of the best running backs, you know, young running backs in the league and James Robinson, who had a fantastic season as an undrafted free agent. Uh, You know what? That's like I was talking to my friend who's a Patriots fan. That's like drafting James White in the first round just to strictly be your (laughs) third down running back. Like, obviously, Charles Etienne is a fantastic running back. I think that he deserves to have a spot as an number one role, but I think it bums a lot of people out in fantasy. and It just bums a lot of Jacksonville fans out in general who, you know, so happy for this undrafted guy to come out there and ball for them. So that's the one pick that very surprised me, which is the team that surprised me. But also overall, very good draft, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, I think Jacksonville came out and said they would have taken uh, Kadarius Tony had the Giants not taken him at pick 20. I think they just got like over eager after taking Lawrence and they were like, all right, this draft's kind of over. We're just going to kind of ball, <laughs> just kind of see what happens. Um, but my pick for the most surprising uh, team is just so out of character for them um, is the New England Patriots. I mean, drafting Mac Jones in the first round, even though they have had a really, you know, unorthodox offseason, it's just like the most. In a way, it is a really Patriots move, but it's also a really surprising move for, to, for them to believe in a guy like Mac Jones with their first-round pick. Yeah, definitely. Um, mine was the Bears. Just, you know, they've been, you know, so dormant at quarterback for, you know, years, decades now. Um, and I think it was just shot. I mean, I had no clue. I mean, I didn't really hear any rumors or anything they were going to try and trade up. But uh, the fact that, you know, they, they did a ballsy move and, traded up to, you know, get their, you know, potential franchise quarterback in field, someone that fell. Um, and I, I thought it was a great, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm just excited for Bears fans and finally like have some, some, some hope. Um, and it just really surprised me just to see like a team like that, you know, never really makes like an aggressive move like that. Just jump up um, and get a guy that, you know, hopefully I think we'll, we'll probably start pretty soon. We'll probably start within like the first, like, four to six games unless Dalton turns into like Patrick Mahomes or something. But um, yeah, I was just really surprised to see the Bears be that aggressive uh, for a quarterback. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, that was our last question. Uh, thank you guys again for uh, submitting everything. We, we really appreciate it and we appreciate the, you know, the feedback and uh, you know, just all the questions uh, showing love. But uh, without further ado, I think that's going to wrap it up for our third Sunday talk. Um, and then we'll catch you guys with our, with our draft recap, uh, which we're about to go film right now. So yeah, peace.